We love green lights. They say go. They affirm our way. Proceed. boy. There you go. Freedom. Carry on. They don't interrupt us. Yellow lights interrupt us. Red lights stop us. We don't like red and yellow lights because they do just that. They impede our flow. They make us take pause. They sometimes make us take a U-turn. Um, they stop us from getting to where we were headed. We don't want them, but sometimes we need them. Hello, friends and damn givers. Welcome to another episode of Let's Give a Damn. I'm your host, Nick LaPara, and on this show, I have conversations with volunteers, nonprofit leaders, business leaders, activists, politicians, actors, musicians, athletes, and all kinds of people who are giving a damn and striving to live meaningful lives. Thank you for listening. I'm incredibly glad you're here. This week, we are bringing back a conversation from a few months ago that I revisited this week and thought, well, maybe other listeners need to be reminded of the wisdom and help found in this conversation. Today, you'll get to hear once again my conversation with Matthew McConaughey from November of 2020. We recorded a conversation right around the time his new book, Green Lights, came out. I loved that book for so many reasons. Matthew is a damn good storyteller, and I found quite a bit of wisdom throughout the book, and our conversation was no different. He's just a delightful person to talk to and learn from. Before we jump in, wanted to give you a peek into some of the guests coming up that I know you're going to love. Joelle Leon is a performer, author, and storyteller who writes and tells stories for black people. Lin-Manuel Miranda, yes, that Lin-Manuel Miranda, said this about Joelle. Joelle's words are where I go when I need some inspiration, and he never lets me down. Mary Kane is another guest that will be on the show very soon. At 17, Mary Kane was already breaking records. She was, quote, the fastest girl in a generation and the youngest American track and field athlete to make a world championship team, end quote, according to the New York Times. And her new nonprofit, Atlanta NYC, is amazing. Can't wait for you to hear from Mary. And lastly for today, among the many guests to come, is Shannon Watts, the founder of Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America, the leading force for gun violence prevention with chapters in all 50 states. Shannon, my friends, is a force to be reckoned with, and I can't wait for you to meet her through our conversation. And so many other great conversations coming. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts to make sure you get them when they come out and not a minute later. Make sure to rate and review the podcast as well and tell your friends about these conversations. We're always aiming to grow the Let's Give a Damn family. Before we get into this conversation, a quick reminder, as always, that you can anytime and for any reason email me at hello at letsgiveadam.com. You can ask questions, tell me how much you love the show or hate the show, suggest future guests, whatever. I just love hearing from you. Enough about that. Let's get right into my conversation from November of 2020 with the fascinating Matthew McConaughey. Let's go. Hey, 
Dude, this is so uh, great of you. You've been doing a lot of these lately. Yeah. Uh, so first of all, thank you for making time for me and for us, the Let's Give a Damn family. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, you're doing all these chats from, is this your office, your living room? What is this? This is a little... Um... This is a little uh, guest bedroom in the house that I've taken over. Austin or Austin. California? Austin. Austin. Yeah. Do you do you like? I mean, you've essentially been able to you know promote the book and tell tell your stories from your guest bedroom. Do you like that better? Or do you like traveling? Do you miss traveling? Um, I miss traveling, but I also am like much of this. I'm preferring. And I'm curious of how much will I prefer this after and when that day comes when it's like, okay, let's go physically embrace again. It's a consensus. There are some people I miss being in person. There's many others. I'm like, hey, this is better. Um, I like the fact that I can sit here and pound the pavement remotely, go until one o'clock, boom, get up and in 60 seconds be having lunch with my children and my Hell family yeah. yep. right there. Yep. And I like that I can be there and have a two o'clock and at one fifty-eight, get up from the table, give everyone a kiss and a howdy and hop right in. Ding. So that convenience, I'm not going to fib at all. I, 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 I'm like, Oh, why would I do? Why would I want to do it different than that? Yeah, it's been super hard to be home in some in some because I traveled probably not as much as you did, maybe. But I was I was on a plane several times a month and always out and about. And then nine months ago, everything came to a screeching halt. And so now my my office is in our I've taken over our shed for now. Yeah. Um, on the, at, on the backside of our house. And I I mean, I love going in multiple times a day to see the kids. You know, they're in virtual school right now. Ours and too. so to, to, yeah, to see, see them and, you know, give some hugs, give some yeah. kisses, uh, wrestle around for a minute and boom, like boom. you said, Pop right 158, back. I can be right in the meeting. Um, yeah. my, my wife just had, uh, she had uh, knee surgery this morning. And, um, so I'm able to, my sister-in-law is here. My mother-in-law is coming in in a few minutes to take care of her from out of town, but yeah, I can like pop in, check in on her and then come right out here. So yeah, it'll be interesting after this to see how things pan out you know all these like talk shows that you've been doing like before they'd have to fly in i mean each night of a stu running one of those studios has to be tens if not hundreds thousands, of thousands, thousands of dollars. dollars yeah and now it's turned the fucking zoom on and I'm, you're yeah, in I, i'm digging you know i did uh there is a future though i think in how does this zoom i'm fine with you and me and you're fine with you and me right here this yeah lame mass background but hey it's nondescript you're in your shed wow look at that but I did Oprah the other day and she puts in, it's the most, I saw it. it feels I saw like it. an event. It yep. feels like we're there in person. You know, we're not, but the depth of field, the lighting, the matching backgrounds for both of us that she just matches. Um, is that, you know, I, I foresee having a room that I can walk into, yep. boop, flip on the switch, every light's on, I can press. We got a Zoom call switch that sets my background for that. Oh, we got a podcast switch that sets a background that give me five options of what my background wants to be or what the lighting needs to feel like. And I and it's just like walk in a room, gonna do some sound recording. Yep, that's for that. And that the whole room's yeah. just set there. And where am I right now? I'm in Nashville. Yep. Where are you? You're yep. in Austin. Yep. Uh, why yep. complicate it? You know. And yeah. No, it's it's great. It's great, dude. So I have uh, I think forty minutes with you. So I want to make the best use of 
our time. So yeah. last evening, I was thinking about our conversation today. So I sat down and watched Dallas Buyers Club again, just to just to get get sort of in the yeah. spirit af- after the kids went down, obviously, because that is not a kid's movie. No. Holy shit. What a great film. Uh, I was reminded so much about it. And so what, what I love. So that 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 film was much bigger than just a film. You know, on, on the one hand, you had to physically transform yourself for this, right? You lost, sure. what, 50, 50, 60 pounds? 47 pounds. Um, 47 pounds. You made the film in just a few days on a, on a you know... A 25 days on a $4.9 million budget. Insane. But the, the, the movie, I felt so gripped the entire time i cried i don't i don't think i laughed all that much there's a few funny parts in there but it was mostly just like how how was it being a part of this this film that you know americans i have learned aren't really good at learning history until they are faced with something that makes them go find it out like our schools are not very good at teaching our kids these like big huge moments sure. like i'm a, i'm 37 now and i'm and i'm still finding things out that i should have learned when i was 8 9 sure. or 10 right and so you helped bring this film to life that probably for so many people introduced this whole hiv aids epidemic that was happening in the 80s 90s in this country what how did you feel making that film what did that film mean to you this is the only film we're going to talk about because everybody else knows your films they can go check them out before we get to the book like what did this film do for you well so you know i think it was walt disney that said you know we want to educate entertain and, and and enlighten a lot of a lot of stuff we do films i've done um you know, uh, um, the gentleman that's straight, that's entertainment. Bingo. Straight up that's what I got, you know, romantic comics, entertainment, man. Give somebody 90 minutes to go escape. That's what they needed. Great. You do other films that have a philanthropic side because they can educate and enlighten. Uh, Amistad, a history lesson, uh, that I didn't know about that exposed, that gave you a history lesson in two hours of, uh, of, of a visual and audio, uh, uh medium, uh, contact. Uh, with Robert Zemeckis, that was like sort of a philanthropic thing. That's a that's that was educational and enlightening. You get to something like Dallas Buyers Club, it had those. Um, it was a way to educate. If we can, you know, tell a good story that can educate and open somebody's eyes and enlighten people uh, of a certain time in a human way, um, at the same time be entertaining. Because to just educate and enlighten without the entertainment, now we're going back to history books, and now we're going back to the you know long form documentary. If we're, you know, which are, hey, I don't have time. It's a little boring. I need it. So this had a great central character in Ron Woodruff. It had a unsentimental view at, you know, uh, it was a period piece age drama. That on paper is not something that any studio is going, oh, I want to finance that. That sounds like well, it'll be a success. And your agent even said there's no money in that, right? No money. Wasn't it, wasn't it your agent? Like, don't do that. There's no money in that. Well, they weren't like, don't do that. They knew I wanted to do it. And I knew there would be no money in it. The thing was, even, and I had a lot of heat on me in my career at that time, right? Rolling in the middle of this reconnaissance. Even at that, we were only able to get $4.9 million. Um, so nobody was rushing to go, I want to finance that. Everyone knew it could be a quality film. It was an unsentimental view at what could be a very sentimental subject. Um, and I liked that about it. I liked that this lead character was sort of a, uh, a raconteur, that he was a businessman, that he was a capitalist, that he wasn't running out waving the white flag saying, everybody follow me, I'm leading the chart. No, he was trying to keep his own ass alive. And in yep. doing so, 
help keep a lot of other people alive. So I like that he was all, he was very selfish and being selfish, selfless at the same time. Um, so doing that picture, you know, I had had a, I had a, I had a hold of that script for years. I was attached mm. to it and didn't, and didn't let it go. Uh, while other people tried to take it from me, I knew I, I believed it would have its day, which it did. And then the movie turned out really good. You can have all everything I just said to you. You can have all that. And we got Jean-Marc Vallée comes on as a director. All that can be great. We got a great script. We got a great reason for doing it. It's going to be educational, enlightening. It's going to entertain us. We're all set. Let's go. And you can still make a crap movie. Yeah. We made a good movie. Now you got another thing. You can still make a good movie that is all those things and you're doing it all for the right reasons. But it comes out at the wrong time and it doesn't take off and that's not where the public consciousness is. And people go, oh, yeah, that's a good movie, but I'm not going to go see it until it comes out on whatever it used to be, DVD or on cable. And then you go, wow, I've had quite a few movies I've done where I don't hear about people going, you know what I love? They'll bring up a movie and I go, yeah, I made that five years ago. And they'll go like, oh, I just saw it. And I feel like you can feel, oh, where, oh, it must have just come on Spectrum or it must have just yep. come on, must yep. have just been streaming. That's where you got that content. I've made plenty of films that people go like, no, that was not one I had to go to the theater. So we have the right reasons for making a movie. We make a damn good movie. Um, the movie's good. I'm deemed, I'm good in it. So here's another thing, guys. I could still give the same performance, but what if the movie's no good? Sure. It doesn't, it doesn't get the legs that it has. So a bunch of things have to come together. Um, there are plenty of incredible performances that no one's ever seen because they were on the cutting room floor and they're in the history, but they're in the history and no one will ever see them. There are plenty yeah. of great performances that you go, great performance, but they're not surrounded by a good movie. Therefore, yeah. Yeah. it feels like, you know, uh, you know, we, we followed this by, it has to be both. And I was, I had a really good performance surrounded in a really well-told story. Um, yeah. And so it worked. And then we had the underdog story going into award season, you know, 25 days, $4.9 million. Nobody could challenge that underdog story. And it's a yeah. heaven of a piece of a product to put out for that amount of money and shot in that short of a time frame. Yeah. There's no way you could convince me that it was shot for 5 million watching the actual film, right? Not one light was on that film. No grip department, not one light. Actually, there was one light. One night, one night, my driver dropped me off and, and it was in the trailer park and he was sitting outside with his car lights on after I got out and went in the scene. He forgot to turn them off. And as they went around to go, hey, turn off the lights. The director's like, no, no, no. The DP was like, no, no, this is perfect. Leave the lights on. And they were shining through the light and kind of giving some backlight off the wall. And that was the only light we ever had on the set. That's incredible. That's really incredible. Should 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 films that in in enlighten and educate, should they should we make more of those than we do that the purely entertainment movies? Like for me. Now I'm I'm cut from a different cloth. Like my first run in my career was in the nonprofit space. I'm now building this. Let's give a damn thing. It's a nonprofit, a book, mm -hmm. a TV show, uh, uh, all these different things that we're building. But I, man, I get frustrated. I turn on Netflix. I turn on Hulu, and it's just a bunch of fucking like. Just it right. feels like so much of it is a waste of time. But then I know that if I watch Amistad or if I watch Dale Spires Club or if I watch uh, Get Out, even Get Out is so entertaining. Yeah. And you've got that whole like yeah. that whole Black Lives Matter. You've got that whole the history of racism in America piece in it. 
it's so entertaining, but it's it's I feel like it's so much more these other two elements that you talked about. Should we make more of those? Or is there a place, do you think, in a world where there's so much shit going on, so many things that we need to do and get involved in, is there a place for 50-50 entertainment or should we make fewer of those and more of the movies that are right. quality, yeah. but also inspire um, people to go and well, do Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to piggyback on, on your, on your choice of word. Should we, and I'm going to go to not just the film. I don't think we should. I don't think it's our responsibility to just as I don't think you have a little mate there, babe. Uh, pipe. Oh, pipe. Okay. Um, I don't, just as I don't think the individual, I don't think it was your responsibility to start your nonprofit. Let's give a damn. I don't think it's my responsibility in my position of success to have started my foundation, just keep living foundation. I don't think it's my responsibility. It's a choice. So I don't, I think it's Hollywood's choice. It's the people who want to make the movies. It's what, what subject matter do we want to make? Look, you know, you try to ride the times you want to give, you know, where's, where's the Hollywood, my business. Where are we actually leading the charge of human consciousness through entertainment? And where are we just reacting? Well, a lot of times we're just reacting. Sure. Yeah. And yeah, we yeah. we True. put we 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 postulate that, oh, we are now in, in more enlightened on this subject and we'll put it mm. in front of you. Sometimes that's true, but a lot of times it's just a reaction. And you can track some of those reactions right back to, well, it's gotta be still a business. You got to make something that, uh, that all those all those good feelings, all that altruism sounds great. But at the end of the day, if those movies don't, that quiver of films at that studio doesn't make money, you fired. Yeah. So there have been people that you know have grand ideas and studios. We're going to make movies that matter. Well, okay, good idea until you're absolutely swamped by every superhero movie or Marvel movie or mythology. And that company's was 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 way in the black after last year, and you were just barely in the red. Well, that's great. You feel good. Um, and the entertainment business goes, hey, let me remind you something. This ain't church. It's a business. <laughs> you know what I mean? We got to make sure. we got to we got to make our mark. So if you can, it, it about also matters what people are hungry for. And I talked about Dallas Buyers Club. Timing is a big thing. Sure. You know, I mean, right now, I can feel it. I have so many people going. We would love uh, for you. We would love to see you, Matthew. And either another, give us just an easy thinking rom com. Don't as much as we, you know, right now to put out. It, it, would another true detective be the right thing to put out now while everyone's so damn heady already? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, 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 people go like, oh, we want to see something Americana. Boy, would you go back and be Jake Brigance again in a time for mercy? And you know, as the second one after a time to kill. Uh, you know, I, 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 I love good dark drama right now. I'm not really interested in putting dark drama out there. I think things are dark enough. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to double down on people going more inward and being, feeling like, you know, they're less a part of the collective than they are already. Um, so, but that's my choice and that choice can change. I will contradict myself tomorrow maybe, but that's, that's, that's a, that's a choice, not a responsibility. For, no, for individuals great, and and the studios, I think that that's a great perspective. Super helpful. I, I I tend to lean toward like I'm an Enneagram eight. I don't know if you're into the Enneagram thing. Like I'm super protector, challenger. Always want to be fixing something, and I also don't get overwhelmed very easily. But I think that last part that you just said, like when things are so shitty, 
Uh, maybe it's time for some things that aren't necessarily throwaway or stupid or pointless, but maybe we need that pure entertainment. Sit down for an episode of the fucking office or something. Just like, just zone out for a second. Just need to zone out a minute, man. I just need to, you know, no, I'm just not meditation. No, it's not exercise, but I just need to be entertained for a minute so I can just, all the shit that's stacking up on my shoulders and my brain confused and I, I just need someone to, you know, I have, sometimes we just want to be told what to do or sometimes yeah. we just want to be, hey, just let me give you some good entertainment. Don't even think about it. Sit back and enjoy it. That's that's yeah. that's valuable. There's value that's to that. Absolutely. Okay. The book, uh, Green Lights, fantastic, um, like truly fantastic. And I'm not just saying that because it's you, like really uh, wonderful storytelling. So 36 years of journaling, correct? Yeah. Um, and you're 50 now. So 14, you know, age of 14 yeah. or so you started journaling when you were, so again, it's super, obviously these, these are your words now, but you're, 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 you're building off of 36 years of journaling. So did you ever fancy yourself a writer, even when you were journaling back when, it, when you were a kid or were you, or did you just think of yourself as like, I'm just documenting my life. I'm just writing down what I'm doing, how I'm feeling. Um, right. Or did you actually think, oh, I actually like writing? Well, when I got to that year in Australia and there's an opening excerpt, I think it was 1989. That's when I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe what you're writing is more than just self-expression. Maybe you have some, Matthew, you have some points of view on some things that could be translated artistically that other people could see themselves in. You know, because there is a difference between self-expression and art, you yep. know, and if there was no difference to quote my buddy Nick Pizzolatto, then any, you know, 13 year old girl's diary would be as good as Shakespeare, which yeah, we can't sure. say that, you know, so no. brutal honesty does not mean it's art. Um, so it wasn't around 89 is when I started to think, oh, maybe you're finding a narrative and point of views, consistent points of view as to how you see the world and see yourself in it. That could be relatable to other people as well. Um, and then, you know, especially for the last 20 years, I'm, I constantly, my diary now is my phone, but it's like, if you and I are having a conversation and you give me a line, or maybe you malaprop a line, or maybe I malaprop what you say, or you say something that I think, oh, I can take that and apply that. I, I, I can scale that. And usually it's a line that I'll scale and then that headline, that line, I'll take it into the world and try and apply it and see what the reverb is, see what the world gives me back if yeah, I apply that yeah, premise. Yeah, yeah. And then it will flush itself out into a longer prescription or um, a, a longer a, a approach or a tool for approach for finding a certain satisfaction or getting what I want. Um, but that's, I, that's how I'm always, I do it all the time at dinners. You know, I have to tell them, hey, I'm not writing somebody else right now. I'm actually right. writing myself. And then I'll write something down and I'll hand it to them and go, hey, can you, if you said that, would you sign that? You know, so I'll footnote you if you signed it, you know. Um, and, and so that's what I'm doing. That's where, and that's what keeps, wakes me up in the middle of the night, a good idea like that or a, something I heard. And as I said in the book, I don't write things down to remember. I write them down so I can forget. Yeah. Meaning if we're hanging out right now and you say something that I go, oh, that's really cool. I, I want to apply that in different ways. I'll write it down so I can now be present in the rest of the conversation. If I don't write it down while I'm talking to you, I'm going to have 10% of my about brain going, wait, I don't want to forget that fucking thing. Hang on a second. And, and, and then I'm not present with you. So I write it down so I can damn forget it and you and I can hang. No, I love that. So real quickly, it, it, it might be obvious uh, to people that know you and have heard you on other interviews even the last few weeks. 
But uh, green lights, red lights, yellow lights, what's the concept there that's sort of yeah. like all throughout the book? Yeah. So you held the cover up. There we go. Green lights. Yep. Um, we love green lights. They say go. They affirm our way. Proceed. boy. There you go. Freedom. Carry on. They don't interrupt us. Yellow lights interrupt us. Red lights stop us. We don't like red and yellow lights because they do just that. They impede our flow. They make us take pause. They sometimes make us take a U-turn. Um, they stop us from getting to where we were headed. We don't want them, but sometimes we need them. Um, those, if, the, if the world and our life was nothing but green lights, it, then fuck, it'd all be just for entertainment, and then we'd have a, a world full of Saturdays, and there's no evolution in that. You know yep. what I mean? Um, so I've learned that green lights in my own life T and being, you know, or come through choices that we make. We can be kind to our future selves by the choices we make today. Um, how you are in your relationship, you have choices every day with the 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 quality of your relationship with your wife of 12 years. You make choices that, that every day that are gonna go. The, uh, I could do this right now, but uh, that may be harder for me tomorrow with my wife. Oh, I could I could act in this way now, and that's actually going to enrich my relationship and make it easier. And I'm going to, and and then we're going to get to the weekend, and my wife's going to be like, yes, absolutely, take some time off. You know, whatever that is, whatever because you've already done whatever, whatever, whatever those choices are, all the way down to put the damn coffee in the coffee filter the night before you go to bed so you can get up in the morning and go, boop, that's teeing yourself up for a green light, right? So, you know, it's it's a um, it's a mix of responsibility and, and freedom, I think, and the understanding that responsibility actually does create freedom. Where a lot of times we see those as a contradiction, but they're not. And there's a lot of freedom in responsibility. So we can make choices to engineer green lights in our future. Sometimes green lights just fall in our lap, and we have good fortune. Well, what do we do with them? Sometimes green light is about how do we look at the same situation? What's our perspective? If I see it as a yellow light, oh, geez, now I'm not sure. But you see it as a green light because you're like, I'm not even giving that crisis credit. Sometimes you can just deny a yellow or a red and create a green because you don't give the red and yellow credit. And that can be valuable sometimes. But also it's about perspective. How do we see it? And then finally, I have found that through my writings, and I think this is true for everybody, that the red and yellow lights in our life reveal green light assets for us somewhere down the line after they happen. When do we notice that? When we're in a crisis and a hardship. When do we notice that? I think there's something. This is hard, but I think there's something in this for me. I think I have a lesson to learn in this that I'm going to evolve. So I think there's actually a really a green light hidden in this in this hardship that I'm in. When do we notice that? Sometimes we notice it in the situation. Sometimes we notice it tomorrow. Notice it tomorrow. Sometimes we notice it next month. Sometimes we're going to notice it on our deathbed. And I argue that sometimes we will not even that sometimes. Green light assets of our red and yellow light life will not even be revealed until our great great grandchildren get them three generations from now, two generations from now. So the final premise is that all of the yellow and red lights in our life eventually do turn green. Sure, if you had the long view, um, and so that's what that's what the, that's what green lights is about. We could talk for literally hours about all the stories in here. You're a fantastic storyteller, and you've had a hell of a life, but we don't have time for that today. I do want to pick out 
a couple themes, not even particular stories, but a couple themes yeah. that I think will help the Let's Give a Damn family as they're listening and as they're digesting. One is, and actually this is a little bit selfish for me as well. Please. You talk about uh, your, the abuse, uh, kind of the, the sort of in, uh, uh, I don't even know if you called it abusive. I'm trying I to get back. No, I the, definitely wouldn't the, call it abuse. So, so the 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 environment that you grew up in, mm -hmm. right? The, the 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 way that your dad sometimes treated you all and treated your siblings, and then and then your parents, sure. you know, back and forth, right? That uh, that incredible story that had me on an emotional roller coaster of your parents like duking it out and then making love, you know, at yeah. the end of it. Like, there's just there's a lot going on there, a lot of passion, you know, some violence, some, but. And so I, so a little context. I grew up in a in a uh, we were disciplined very harshly. Um, we were beat very often. My dad back then was a totally different man than he is now. Um, and thank God for that. One of the things that I want to point out is that it doesn't seem like you have any, or not that it doesn't seem like it, you don't have any uh, resentment. It's mm -hmm. not like you you don't hate your parents because not of that. At all. Nor do I. Right. A lot of my friends that were abused when they were uh, you know, growing up, now they have resentment and hatred. And I don't necessarily blame them because abuse is hor you know horrible and and the way we should treat people kindly sure. and lovingly as much as we can but i look back and i'm like shit man i am a way different person because of that again i wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy nor do i treat my kids that way i don't we don't hit our kids we do long talks with them mm -hmm. and we work things out with them but man i'm a totally different person today because of the, the resilience and the fortitude and the strength and yep. all the stuff yep. that I was able to build up yep. to just literally survive through that. Heard. And then, you know, from surviving to thriving. So yeah. talk about that environment and, and how that's caused you to be, you know, the person you are today. Yeah. Well, you know, I try to raise my children in a similar way that you said, that you just said that sounds like that you try to raise your children and we, you and I were not raised that way. We raise with different methods. Still trying to instill the same values that my parents instilled in me. I would not, I was not abused. I was not beaten. I was whooped on the butt when I did something wrong that I knew was wrong. I was not confused about one of my butt whoopings. <laughs> I was, I was <laughs> you knew very exactly clear. where it was coming from. I was very clear exactly what I had done. And a beautiful thing. And and, and look, I'm not, I don't judge my parents. I I don't, I don't, I, I I we talk with our kids. We don't hit our kids. I hope my kids can have the resilience that I've gotten without having that because they're for it or against it. And again, let's not judge it here, but bringing it up, there were great assets from it. And like my parents even said, we won't ground you because that's taking away your time and your time is your most valuable asset. Jesus. Rarely man. got grounded. Rarely got grounded. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good reason for getting a bow open, but I hear that and I'm like, that's pretty smart. <laughs> there's value to there's That's a valuable way to, to look at that. Um, what I got my butt opens for. We're very clear. I want to go with that, back to that. And the values that were instilled in me for that. I got my first whooping for not answering to my name. I got my second butt whooping for saying I can't instead of I'm having trouble. I got my third one for telling my brother I hate you. And I got my fourth one for lying. 
wow, okay, what did I get from that? Answer to your name, because you were named that for a reason. You can have trouble doing something, and you can seek help if you're, at, if you're unable to get it done, but never believe it, you just can't. You can't. Love, don't hate. Tell the truth. I'll take every one of those ass whoopings if those help to the extent that those help me go. That's values in there. That's integrity. That is about giving a damn. That is helped create help create the man I am now and am trying to become. Do I practice the same means of enforcing those to my children? No, but boy, I hope my children. I hope that it gets ingrained in them. And that becomes part of their being, those same values. Um, so, yeah, I never, and maybe that goes back to perspective. One of the things we talked about earlier, a green light. I never, ever, and my mom to this day wouldn't. And her middle finger's broken four times by my dad. Mind you, she started every single fight. Um, <laughs> and as she says in the book, to this day at 88, oh, I needed that to communicate. I pushed him to get physical, to communicate. Look, what am I supposed to do? Judge her? That's who she is. Um, and has never backed down for a second off of that. And she's 88 years old now. Wow. Um, I was, she would, she knows she was never abused. She was never beaten. I look my in this in this book, I tell those stories of discipline and consequence that are sometimes violent as love stories because. Those are the times in my mind where the love that our family had that was so unconditional seemed to be tested the most, but actually never had a chance of being beat. Meaning the love never had a chance of being beat. And actually they were passionate expressions of love. My, you know, I got a whooping for lying about stealing a pizza. I didn't get to whoop him because I stole the pizza. My dad's like, I've stolen pizzas before too, man. Just why did you lie to me? Sure. Don't lie to me in this house. Man, I'd call that a good butt whooping. Yes, you're right, dad. I was not courageous enough to just tell you. Yeah, I stole the pizza. He asked me four times. He gave me four chances to tell him the truth. I weaseled, squirmed. I lied. I chickened Mm. out. And all he he didn't give me the whooping because I stole the damn pizza. He gave me a whooping because his heart was broken. He was like, dang it. You're, this is gonna. I, you're gonna. If I let you get away with lying, if I let you get away with hating, if I let you get away with going, well, I can't. I can't do it. You're gonna give up in life too quick. If, if I let you get away with those things, I'm doing you a disservice as your parent to go into the world and try and negotiate the world because you will have a harder go of it, and it's hard enough already. Hmm. And so uh, they're love stories to me yeah. and they're, and, and, and they're beautiful. Um, I love that. Uh, that's super helpful. Uh, you have another part in the book where you talk about your year in Australia, right? Um, and it's, it's, it's a fascinating, you know, uh, section of your life, but for a few of those months before it got better, it was worse. And that was because you stayed with this family called the Dooleys, which everybody you need to go get the fucking book so you can read it all about the Dooley family. That was insane. But, uh, and, and maybe I'm using some of my words here, but it seemed, I can't remember if I actually read this or if I just got it from that, but it seemed like at the end of that saga, you, um, s- sort of talked about, I wouldn't, 
you don't regret the, the, that time, just like you don't regret these love stories, yeah. you know, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. via butt whooping, um, or or even the. And I don't know if you'd say this, but you, you know, you you you've uh, experienced sexual abuse as well in your life, right? So like all of our lives, all these right. stories, all this shit that happens, including six months or five months or however long it was with. Uh, this horrible family uh, in in Australia, like I wouldn't. Basically, the 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 wrap up wasn't. I wouldn't be where I am and who I am today without these things. In unless. the moment, unless, yeah, unless these yeah. things had yeah. happened to me again. Some of these things are horrible, and we don't. We wouldn't. Yeah. We wouldn't ask for these things. Like I don't. You know, again, right. you years down the road are saying the butt whoopings were uh, a version of a love story. In the moment, you're feeling pain and all, all these things. And then when you're with the dualies and like you're eating, you know, iceberg lettuce and ketchup and this, they're, they're asking you to call them mom and pop or mom and pop or whatever, like just crazy. Like in the moment, you're like, what the hell's going on? After you're like, yeah. oh, that built character. That built me into a better person than who I was before Australia. Yes. yes. Yeah. I mean, look, and this is a great thing to unpack because it, it, it's true. I wouldn't wish someone on that. If my son was in that position, I'd want to go get him and pull him out right now. Yeah. My son was over there. I, I, I know I want to pull him at the same time. I, I would not be here right now. I would not have been forced to go inward. I would not have been forced to be introspective, survive, rely on myself and my, and create my own constitution because I had no one else to rely on or help me define it. Because I was calling out for help, but there was like the shining. There was no one, no one could hear. So who did I talk to? Me. And I wrote it down and I wrote myself 14 page letters and would respond in 16 page letters um, to myself. Um, so that's where I started a major Socratic dialogue because I was my only person. I was my only buddy. I was my only person I could talk to. Um, I was trapped with me. And there is, is you go, oh, what a horror show. Yeah, maybe. But I tell you this, I got out of that year and have run into crises before where I did do a form of actually denying red and yellow lights. I'm like, oh, mm. this thing's nothing compared to what I went through. I got this I, lickety split and tee me up. I'll take this one. It's nothing after the year I went through because I became, I found resilience. Um, I found an identity. I found, I, I, I found a, who I found out who I was not and who I was. I found out things I stood for. And I found those things on my own. And look, we all know this. No one likes to be told what to do. No one wants to hear advice. Someone could have told me all the things I learned over there. Or it could have been in a book or a teacher could have told me or my dad or mom could have told me. I wouldn't have integrated them the way I did by having to learn it, but through my experience. Experience and travel have taught me, that's been my greatest educator by far. But to go through that and remember that and very clear to this day, the pain, the loss, the, 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 the absolute insanity, the confusion, the asking why about everything, existential questions about who was I, what was I doing in this world? Was this cultural difference? Boy, if I can just out endure this thing. But I always had that hunch. I will say this. And where this comes from, I don't know. But I always had a hunch, even in the times where I was going, pulling my hair out of my head, running six miles a day, eating <laughs> iceberg lettuce with ketchup, deciding I was celibate and pretty convinced I needed to be a monk and go help free Nelson Mandela in South Africa, and writing myself 16-page letters 
all of that and sneaking off at five, still daylight after it's cleaning up at dinner to go to the bathtub, listen to NXSR and rattle it and U2's rattle and hum, read Lord Byron and, and, and jack off. That was a nightly ritual. I was like having to go off to go. It was like, I look at all that and you go, dude, you were losing it. At the time, yeah. I, now I see that I was, at the time I was just like, let's go. Another, just, just, just find, you'll find your traction here. Just try to find something, you know, just stick with it. Stay, don't stop the dialogue with yourself, Matthew. Don't quit searching. There's a gift in this somewhere. Trust that there's light at the end of this tunnel. And there was, there was value in enduring it. There was value in not pulling the parachute and going, I'm out of here. I'm going back home. I'm not a guy who looks for trouble. I don't look for pain and penance. I do know there's value in seeking and staying in and out enduring certain resistances we have in life to then overcome them. And if you don't know how to overcome them, sometimes you overcome them by just outlasting those son of a bitches. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, <laughs> you know, it, caught, it taught me great resilience uh, that, that yeah. year. Um, and I was forced to figure out who the hell I was not and who the hell I was. It's wild. So let's go present day as we begin to wrap up here, Matthew. Uh, present day, today is, we're recording this on November 3. Um, a, uh, a, a, a ridiculous and wild day here in the, yes. for, for those that are listening in the United States of America. 2020, so, remember this day. Jeez, fucking A. This is wild. So let's give a damn exists to help people build fewer walls, longer bridges, and bigger tables with their lives and work, right? That's the whole premise. People yeah. leaving the planet better than they found it. What is your, as, as, you, as you look at the landscape of this country, um, we are more divided and polarized than ever. I mean, yep. there's an, there are, they built actual walls around the White House right now to guard them from outsiders, right? Cities all over yep. the U.S. boarded up. That's never happened before, as far as I know, during a presidential election. Like, things feel really crazy right now. I mean, my weed pen is going to get extra use today. Um, so what is your, how are you, how are you taking all of this in right. and sort of what is your word of advice or wisdom to those sure. listening about what's going on here? Cause yeah. most of the people listening are younger than you. You have a little more experience, a, little, a few more years on them. Yeah. Um, what's well, great question, big question. And I don't have the answers, but uh, maybe I have some, some, some approaches to it. Look, my, my personal immediately what I'm doing right now is trying to keep my family as safe as possible, meaning mm. mainly from COVID, but also what kind of social unrest are we about to have? Can we avoid uh, a sloppy version of the civil war with whoever is in office after this vote? We are at major extremes right now. Some of us don't even know why why we're at our extreme because we don't know what we believe in. We just feel better because we can say, I don't believe in that or don't, yeah. I, I don't know what I'm for, but I'm against you. It's a version. It's a very short-term version of how sometimes we feel like we, the only way we can find purpose. And I think that this COVID time, which gave everyone a time of limbo and uncertainty and unknown, and there was an unemployment that these extremes on the illiberal left and the far, far right, uh, people ran to those polar opposites to have something to hold on to, to go, ah, okay, 
I'm a part of a tribe now and I just was lost and I didn't have any, I didn't hear any purpose. At least now I got some purpose. I will say this. I've had a lot of people come to me and to friends of mine saying, I regret running so hard left and so hard right. I hmm. regret growing, going and grabbing onto that because now I'm here and I'm looking around going, wait, I don't know if this is really what I believe. And yeah. I feel actually more dislocated than I did before when I was in limbo in the middle. Um, we are going to see, we got a cultural revolution going on. This year has shaken our floor like no other year. I know in my 50 years, 51 mm. years coming up tomorrow things, we're not going back to the old normal. We have to face that. We are now, we have to, if we can safely get through today and then the next few weeks in the rest of 2020, hopefully it'll be very clear by then who the commander in chief of the United States is and whoever that is. If we can say, okay, I have to embrace, if I'm going to be staying in America as an American citizen, I have to embrace this. doesn't have to agree with this commander chief, but I have to embrace this, whoever that's going to be. And it's going to be, that's going to be hard for either side to do, who, either opposite side to do, whoever wins. Um, you know, part of, uh, and, I, and I mentioned this, and then the, the, the left sort of jumped on me four years ago after Trump had won. And I said, look, it's time to embrace this. Uh, was a fact. He was the president. What's the alternative? I, I saw a lot of people on the left in complete denial yeah. that he was. And I was like, well, that's yeah. not constructive. There's no constructive in denying that that's our president. So I have a look at it and go, how do you, now how do you want to manage? And if you and, and start managing four years ago <laughs> to the day, how it is, if you really are disgusted with this, start manage, start working now on how you want to have your own political party, be that Democrat or someone else, be the next commander-in-chief so he's not, again, if that's how you feel. It's going to go the same way the other way. If Biden wins this year, that's when I say, man, I mean, uh, is it going to be, we don't, we have such distrust up top. We have, we don't know who or what to believe in. There's yep. no consensus. Yep. Look at this whole COVID thing. It's like, we don't know who to listen to. We don't know who to trust. And what happens when you quit trusting your fellow man and your leaders? Soon you start distrusting yourself. Quit believing in your leaders. Soon you quit believing in yourself. And now it lead, leads to really dangerous anarchical individualism because there is no collective. A collective of what? A collective of distrust? A collective of disbelief? A collective of lack of confidence in any leadership? A collective of, of any lack of confidence or belief in any kind of hierarchy? Uh, a, a collective of it doesn't matter. There is no such thing as an expert because I don't trust an expert. So I don't care, you know, if you went to school and you studied that or that's been, I don't care about that. We're all in the same. Well, then I know that's not a good way forward. Um, so we've got to find things to believe in again. And I think that we can simplify this a little bit and say, hey, everybody, just whatever side you're on, start with the man in the mirror. Start with the woman in the mirror. Have a look at yourself. The individual, the private sector and the individual has never had more power than right now. So what are you going to do with that? You want to take advantage of that and create more anarchy? Or do you want to go, hey, now's my time. Yeah. Now's your time. Yeah. If I look in the mirror and say, I'm going to be a little bit better. And you look in the mirror and say, you're going to be a little better. We start to based on values, our similar values, forgetting how we vote or forgetting what our denomination is, if we 
start to double down and say, I'm going to be a little bit better and value my own values, be more competent at my own values today. And you do the same. Then we start to build a collective. Then we start to reform a social contract that have nothing to do with your politics or your denomination. Then I can have expectations of you and you can have expectations of me. Then I can go to you and trust you much more highly until you ruin that trust by your actions. And you the same as me. You can trust me that I'm not coming for you, that we shook our hand on that deal. And I'm not going to pick your pocket because you looked me in the eye. We need that trust until I disprove it. But right now we're coming in. We don't trust anybody. Boy, that's no way to go forward. We're, we're in this thing together, but it starts with the individual. And nobody does a damn thing unless it's personal. So remember, everybody out there, it's freaking personal. <laughs> make your choice. And that's if we make the right choices, I honestly believe that's that's we hook our we got to hook ourselves up to the solar powered green lights, not the battery yeah. powered green light. The solar powered ones. Think long view, okay? Because yep. we got years, if not decades, to build ourselves out of this. And the other thing is this: we're never going to arrive. There's nope. no arrival point. There's no ta-da moment. We're not going to have a utopian society. We're not ever going to have perfect justice. But if we keep trying to get a little bit better, chasing yeah, trajectory. yet. Yep. Small ascension. If not, what the hell is evolution for? What are we growing older for? Why does the hands of time keep turning? Small ascension. That's the best we can do. Just keep chasing our better selves. I believe individuals are an aspiration. I believe our country's an aspiration. Chasing yet. Keep chasing yet, knowing you never get to yet. We're con- if we can keep constantly achieving on the way to the unachievable, that's as good as it gets. Yeah, that's absolutely beautiful. You know, there's so it's harder to ignore harder than any other president possibly to ignore this president because he's Mm. everywhere, always tweeting, always talking. But you said some really great stuff in there to the effect of like, there are a million things that Donald Trump uh, or, or, or the next president, but this one's just very noisy and I think harmful. There's a million things that Donald Trump can never touch. Yeah. That can never, nev- will never interact with. That's like you pointed out. You're trying to keep your family safe, your family, what you've built up, your neighbors, your community, those that you want to care for and are cared by. Yeah. Like he can't touch that shit. It's can't untouched touch. by him. Take ownership so, of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's really yeah. good. Uh, that. You, you've been so generous to give me a few mi- extra minutes of your time. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, thank you so much for being with us today for writing this book, greenlights.com, to check out more about the book. or And please order it from your local bookstore. Uh, fuck Amazon. Buy it from your local bookstore. It'll cost you a little more, <laughs> but it's it's worth it. It's worth it to keep your uh, local bookstore uh, in business. Bezos doesn't need your money. <laughs>